welcome. So the purpose of grace to you said again and again and again is for the purpose of repetition, trying to change a culture from a people that had to earn it to a people that would learn that it was a free gift. And man, there are not many things free here in the U.S., uh, you know, if someone could market air oxygen, they would, you know, uh, they do actually, this is that terrible thing. And so, uh, terrible thing. All right. So, uh, real, real quick here, before we get started in the service, uh, if you are a veteran, uh, if you've served our country or if you are related to someone who has, would you stand to your feet real quick? We want to honor you. I saw a couple that were here earlier today. Look, holy moly. Uh, listen, uh, it's. When I think about grace, uh, it's, you know, it's not fair that we are born in the greatest country in the world uh, and how many people have sacrificed, uh, even in our congregation, that have, have had injuries because of what they've done for our country. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, we are blessed and we thank you for your sacrifices. And uh, I, I'm a military brat. Uh, I was born, yeah, and so uh, wonderful. Uh, I'm going to keep on going here. <laughs> Uh, digging a hole. You wouldn't plan on saying it. So um, we're, we're in the, uh, this is not the last week of, of grace to you. And so, because I've, I've enjoyed this um, so much. In fact, my, I think that I've been changed so much. 20 years of preaching, I've never studied grace. And it's affected me so much to the core. I don't like the subject of grace because it's, I want to earn my salvation. I want to earn merit with God. I don't want to pray when I sin until I feel like I've, I've achieved righteousness again, or I've read my Bible enough, or I've apologized to enough people that I'm in right standing. I feel awkward when I've done wrong, and it's difficult to, to identify with a God who's perfect when I'm imperfect. And um, so with that being said, this series has been difficult for me. Uh, if you want some back history, you're going to have to go back. But because of today, we're, we are going to try to jump right into this. There's a verse that I wasn't planning on throwing at you guys. I'm going to throw at you anyways. And, and it really has to do with the balance of the struggle that I have in my own life that I'm seeing in our friends and family. And so today, uh, this is for guests. Uh, but oftentimes in, in ministry, I think what happens is the longer you're in a church, the easier it is for you to tune out the voice of someone that you become familiar with. And, uh, and so today, this is for our leaders this is for our serve team leaders, our coaches. This is for our connect group leaders. This is for our staff. This is for our worship team, our media team, and our greeting team, and our kids workers. This is, we couldn't do what we're doing without you, but you need to understand that this is imperative. Uh, for the sake of being able to be a healthy individual, I think that there is some, this is like the core, I'm hoping that this sermon today falls at the core of your life. Uh, and, um, because out of this comes everything that we do, and there has to be an, a learned identity today. And so what I have learned in myself, and I see it with a lot of even our leaders, is we have a difficult time giving grace to other people. We have a difficult time receiving it. It just feels uncomfortable, and other people don't deserve it. And other people don't deserve it because you didn't deserve it. Uh, and then so this mirror thing happens. When you don't give grace because they don't deserve it, it's mostly because you feel like you didn't deserve it either. And I want you to know today, this is, this is free. I'm grateful for how hard you work or how much you pray or how much you give or how much you do. But the scripture says that that's like filthy rags. Thank you for doing those things. That's because you love him, not so he'll love you. 
right? So um, today, there's this cool verse that I found, uh, and it says in John chapter 1, verse 17, I don't have it on the screen for you. It says, for the law came through Moses, um, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And in Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 20, would say that the law was given so that all people would see how sinful they really were. What's, uh, the problem that I have with grace is it's hard for me, once I've learned that I've done wrong, it's hard to be right. Does that make sense? When I understand that I've done something wrong in my life, now how do I just be good now? How do I just like wear like, no, I'm good. God's good. Everything's good. When I know that I've done wrong. And the scripture says that the law came through Moses. And so what I've realized is inside a lot of us, there's this cancer that's eating us alive. And I'm finding it more and more with my friends as I dialogue in their, in their Christian walk. There is a shame that eats at people. There is a guilt that eats at people. Like, man, I am just not good enough. And that is a terrible mirror and weight to live under that you're not good enough when that's simply not the dialogue of heaven. And so I was talking to my spiritual mom the other day and she was saying, Tim, grace and truth came through Jesus. He's the only one that can really balance this. This truth and grace. He's the only one that can really hold this balance. And some of us are, are real loose with grace, like everything's good, and we don't find truth. And some of us are so hard on truth that we can't find grace. And today, I kind of want to get back to what is love. Sin is bad. Please understand that. I don't ever want to dilute that. Sin is terrible. So much to the point where it hurts God. There is a problem, and the reason why sin is confusing to us is because the world that we live in culturally doesn't line up with this terminology of sin. Now, we may have been a Christian nation. We're not. And what I mean by that is like Israel understands the word sin far more than we do because culturally sin makes sense. They are a nation that has always been someone that understands law and truth. Does that make sense? And so like when we say like all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, yeah, I got that check. For the, uh, there's none righteous, no, not one. That's right. And there's a verse here, it's in Romans, and it says, uh, for the wages of sin is, is death. You see that? But the gift of God is eternal life. I think one of the reasons why this is a weird concept for us, and we feel guilty for the things that we do wrong, because of this word death, what's weird is culturally it doesn't make sense to us that sin would equal death because that's not what happens in our society. That doesn't happen in our life. The consequence of doing wrong doesn't equal punishment. In fact, there's more and more laws right now that are happening where the consequences are all over the map. Someone can steal and nothing happens. Someone else steals and they go to jail for years. Someone can murder someone and go to jail for life. Someone else can murder someone, they get four years. And so like weight of, of like punishment is kind of all over the place. And the wages of sin is death doesn't make sense to us because we don't feel, we weren't raised in a Christian nation. 
I'm explaining to you. It, uh, I remember when I was uh, in fourth grade. I don't know why I remember this, but I was in fourth grade. And uh, I was in social studies. I don't know. And my teacher, uh, were, we would go over current events that would happen. And he would try to teach us about things that was happening in the world. I don't know where you were, but I remember where I was in 1994. And uh, in 1994, there was a gentleman that was traveling to another nation, and he didn't understand the laws of that nation. And uh, his name was Michael Fay. Some of you may be familiar with his, with his name. He, he traveled to a nation, uh, a country called Singapore. And uh, this made global news uh, because uh, Michael uh, was there. He was young. He was 18, having fun, partying, living it up. And uh, he saw some street signs that were, he thought they'd be cool. If he got them back in his suitcase and brought them home, they were neat. He took them down. And, he, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Right? I mean, what would happen in our country? Who knows? I mean, some of you have street signs hanging in your house, you know? And, uh, and so you're like, hey, it's not a big deal. Maybe Michael did. Who knows? He's like, man, this street sign would be awesome. Well, turns out in Singapore, um, you commit a crime, uh, the death penalty in their country is real low because what they've done is make every crime pretty severe. Severe means uh, what they did is they, they, it's called the Singapore caning. I don't know if you remember this where um, the country, our, our, we tried, our ambassador tried really hard to get this guy back in our country without them disciplining him. They weren't having it. They, no, 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 you understand. We invited him in our country under our laws and he broke our laws and we're gonna send a message to the world. And they did. And not more severe. In fact, they gave him grace. He was gonna receive a caning for breaking the laws of Singapore. He was gonna receive eight lashes. And they decided as a country, they'd have mercy on him he only gave him six. And what happens is there's this machine, it's a rack they put him in, where they bend him over, and they take this stick. It's a brutal stick. And they take it to him, six strokes. Now, they showed it on, I remember I watched it on Oprah. They were doing like a, a, a test run, and they allowed the guy to wear these pads and pillows. And they hit this dude with pillows. And the guy cried. So... There's, it says that there is blood and there are scars that follow this scenario. Michael said in the interviews years later that uh, he couldn't sit for days and he had a hard time walking. But he remembered the consequence for what he'd done wrong. When God says that the wages of sin is death, that doesn't make sense to us. Now, many of us, what we feel because we don't see death, is we feel guilt and shame and self-condemnation and we feel bad about who we are or what we've done. Does this make sense? What you need to understand is it, it, Romans chapter, uh, chapter five, verse 20 says, the law was given so that all the people could see how sinful they were, but people sinned more and more and God's wonderful grace became more and more abundant. Wait, what? What happened was people sinned and the consequence of sin was going to bring death. But God loved people so much that he was just wanted to pour his love out. I mean, let's think through the Old Testament. Even the people that were great and done great things for God were never disqualified for what they did. Moses, dude, killed someone. What if your pastor was a murderer? 
Would y'all sign up to go to that dude's church? Probably not. David, I can give you a list of some things that David did wrong. And this dude became a man after God's own heart. And God loved spending time with David. And David did terrible things in his life. You have to understand that where sin abounds, grace abounds more and more because God loves you. God hates sin. God loves you. And this is hard to wrestle with because many of us think our do is our who. I did wrong. I'm a terrible person. No, you did wrong. God loves you. And many people are wrestling and they, I, they think, well, I, I can't serve because I, I suck at life. I can't possibly be on the worship team because I yelled at my wife. I can't possibly do this because I'm not good enough. Listen, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And this is what I have to understand. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death and death spread to everyone because everyone had sinned. Adam sinned, death came. Death came to you, 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 because we all sinned. Now, Jesus came, and the scripture says that where one person's disobedience brought death to everyone, one person's obedience brought life to everyone. You have to understand God hates sin, but what happened was, will you stand up for me? I hate that you're just, it's a victim of being in the front row. Um, and so, Teresa sinned. God does not hate Teresa. Let me make sure you understand this. God does not hate your neighbor because they sinned or because they're angry or because they got short with you or because they have issues in their life or because they had an affair or because of whatever you can label them with. And you don't have the right to hate them either. But because God loved her, what he did was he sent his son to take the wrath of God for you because this is grace. You received Jesus when you did not deserve it. So God can have relationship with you and not compromise his value. I'm gonna pour my anger out on, on Jesus so I don't pour my wrath out on you. But many of us inside, it's like, it's not good enough. I don't want that guy to die for me. I, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't want him to die for me either, but I need him to die for me. And this is why we hate sin, because when we sin, we have to choose to be the one to put the nails in his hands. So that's the only way I love God. I realize what he's done for me, and it hurts me like hell, and I don't want to do that no more. Because when I love someone and I realize that I'm hurting them, I don't want to hurt them no more. But many of us, we want to wait to get right with God until we're Christian enough to not crucify Jesus. And I'm telling you, we're missing the whole point. That's why Jesus went to the cross for you. Thank you. Does this make sense? The shame that you're wearing, God knows. But the problem is, if you want and allow, listen to this, if you allow shame and guilt to remain on you, then you let Jesus die for nothing. 
Because he went to the cross so you wouldn't feel shame anymore. Because he doesn't want you to feel rejected or alone. He became rejected for you. C.S. Lewis said this. The main characteristic that separates Christianity from every other major religion is grace. Because no other religion in history where a perfect divine being sacrifices themselves for imperfect creatures and ask nothing in return. Man, it's, I know that you've done wrong and you'll never be able to enter into my courts. Let me make a way for you. His way is Jesus. Does this make sense so far? That was the intro. God loves you. And I know that people are struggling here. And I'm seeing it even on our leadership team, even on our staff, even in myself. And the more I'm studying this and I hate grace and I'm frustrated with it and it's sloppy and it doesn't make sense and I don't like it because there's no real boundaries. But God, what if, what if I, I punch Lee Cohen in the nose today? <laughs> then will you not like me? What if, what if I, I, you know, I, I steal? Should, the, the Bible would say then, so if, if sin abounds, it, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more, then should I keep on sinning? No, 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 no. Because I, I died to sin because I died with Jesus. And, and because he came to life, I live with him. So I, I identify with Jesus in his crucifixion. I don't want to hurt him anymore. I don't want to do that. I don't want to hurt my wife. I don't want to do that anymore. What happens is when we pretend that what we did is not bad. It gets easier and easier, but you can't earn your way into heaven. You can't be Christian enough. You can't pay for it. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. It only comes because God loves you. And the anger that he, does, he has for the things that we've done wrong, he poured out on his son, Jesus, for us. Here's what you need to know today. God is not mad at you. God's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. And more importantly, he's not leaving. He's not going anywhere. Uh, there was a song I used to hear all the time, and it, it was so true. His dude used to sing, uh, you, know, you can run, 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 but you'll end up running right back into him. You run, run as hard as you can away from the Lord, but God, he's going to call you. Man, he's going to call you and he's going to say, but you know, but you know, that you know, that you know. He is not going anywhere because he loves you and he doesn't care what you've done. He loves you. He does care what you've done. He poured that out on his son because he wants to be with you. He made a way for you. And this doesn't make sense to all of the churches in the New Testament, which is why he's saying grace, 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 grace. I wish grace over you. I wish grace over you. I wish grace over you. And you got to hear it so many times because not only do you need to receive it, but you, you, you simply are a jerk to everyone else if you don't. But when you receive grace, you know, man, I did nothing to earn this. I, I got to forgive that guy. I know they don't know what they're doing and, and they're, they're, they're cutting in on my territory and they're annoying me and they're getting on my nerves and they've done wrong. And there's... But God paid a price that I simply could not pay. How can I not? I need you to know God's not going anywhere. 
Listen to this, Psalms 139, seven through eight, he says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence, David said. Now, let me stop there in verse seven. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? This is written from a guy who is a man after God's own heart, who knows God so well. He loved to worship and sing on the backside of a mountain. You know what this guy also did? He was such a jerk. He, he, during war, he stayed home and sent all of his troops into battle, right? And uh, this is a warrior. And uh, while he sent his troops off in the battle, he had an affair with his general's wife. Man, what a jerk. And then when he thought that she might find out, he brought her back, he brought the dude back from war and tried to, like, oh man, I think she's pregnant. Hey dude, you should go be with your wife, you know? He tried to cover it up. And the guy was like, I can't do that. Man, I, listen, my guys are off at war. I, I can't go home and be with my wife. I need to go back to war, dude. Dude was a good dude. So David was like, man, this guy is so awesome. What am I going to do? He's going to find out. I know what I'll do. I'll send him back to war. I'll send him right in the heart of the war. And then I'll make all the rest of the troops come back. He killed him. This guy was a jerk. He literally killed his best friend because he has an addiction. And he says, God, but where can I go? Because I do wrong and you're right there. I do wrong and you're right there. Because God, he's not going anywhere. He's knocking on your heart saying, hey, dude, hey, hey, I'm the answer. I know you feel like crap. I know you know you've done wrong. Yeah, you did. Oh, you better believe you did. I love you. I love you. I love you. I have a better plan for your life. Stop, stop, stop. He says, where can I go? I can't get away from you, Lord. And he says this, even if I ascend to heaven, you're there. And if I make my bed in hell, you're there. Everywhere I turn, I run right back into you. I, I, I think it's kind of funny because we all want to be loved by, by someone like this. But if you think about it, it'd be super creepy. Like, <laughs> dude, just, can you, <laughs> Teresa, I love you. Can you just give me some space? Can you go on vacation or go get a cruise or something with some girls? Like, like I just need some space. But Jesus is like, no, man, no, no, no. Teresa always says this dumb thing from Spanglish, right? <laughs> and Jesus, she loves when I quote her. But uh, she says, no, there's no space between me and you. There's no space. I'm never going to let space happen between us. This is Jesus. He says this, I will never leave you or forsake you. He says this so many different times in so many different ways. To the ends of the earth, I'll be there. I'll never leave you. And what I want you to know is that, God, I've done wrong. You've done right. And God wants to reflect his beautiful love on your wicked heart. So you just let it go. Crucify his son and be right with him. You need to hear this. If there's nothing else you hear today, hear this. There is nothing that you could ever do that can make God stop loving you. There's nothing you can do that will make God stop loving you. Why, Tim, yeah, I know this, man. Why are you saying all this stuff? No, because you don't know it. If you knew it, you'd stop hiding your sin. 
You'd stop hiding your anger. You'd stop hiding your shame and your guilt and your works-driven lifestyle. Like, why? Like, I don't read the Bible enough. Well, none of us do. People died that they transcribed this book. None of us read it enough. If we knew that this was the book of life, we would not leave home tomorrow. We would read it all day. We're not godly enough for God. Jesus is. There's nothing you can ever do that will make God stop loving you. And when you get that into your heart, now it's easier to love other people because I've never known a love like this before. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine says this. He said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My, this, is, this is unreal. This is madness. My grace is perfect for you. My favor, what you don't deserve that I'm giving you, it's perfect for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Wait till you see this. This is, this is my boggling. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is everything that our culture is not. I was thinking about this. This, uh, this, this, this. It kills me. You know what you do? It's the same thing I do. We have never met someone in our life where we want to start off and say, hey, George, I'm the most disorganized person I know. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you I'm going to call you, but I probably won't. And uh, you know what? This morning I was struggling with, with anger with, with a friend of mine, and I hate him. And I'll probably hate you one day too. <laughs> great. This is what God is saying, that if you'll boast in your weakness, his power will rest on you. You know what we do as people? We hide that. And we present the best version of ourselves, the skinniest, the best looking version. We hide all of our insecurities and all of our broken areas and all of the shame and all of the guilt and we bury it as far down as we can to never show a weakness. And you wanna know where the power of God is not? In my life, when I'm hiding everything that would exalt the reality that God loves me. He loves me and I am an idiot. I am uneducated and I am not smart enough to be a pastor and I am not gifted enough to be a pastor and he loves me. And this is why I'm a pastor and this is why he's chose me. I don't get it. I'll never get it. He loves me. Grace to you. I wish grace to you that my grace would be sufficient enough that you would realize that the best part of your life is everything that's jacked up. And some reason, when I meet a beautiful girl, I don't want her to know that I'm broken. We are all broken. There is not a person in this room. My mistakes and my insecurities make me feel like I'm not good enough, but that's not love. Love doesn't abandon people. Love doesn't say, well, oh, you know what? Yeah, you, you aren't smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not rich enough. You're, you're not good enough for me. And the hard thing is why grace is so difficult for our culture is we've been trained that unless you make enough money, 
that unless you're smart enough, and unless you're beautiful enough, you're not good enough. And you, unfortunately, everyone in this room has had people walk out on you in your life and abandoned you and made you feel like you're inadequate. But let me tell you something. That's not what love is. Love says, I'm not going anywhere. I love you. Love is patient with you and it's kind to you. You have to hear this because that's not what's going on inside me so it doesn't make sense. God didn't pour his wrath out on me. He poured his wrath out on Jesus so that he can love me. Love is patient and God is kind. He does not envy. He doesn't boast. He is not proud. He does not dishonor me. He's not self-seeking. He's actually seeking me. He's not easily angered, and it's his kindness that draws us to repentance. Keeps no records of my sin, although I do, and I know what I've done wrong. But I think the scripture says that he, my sin is from the east to the west, and he, he remembers my sin no more, yet I have a record of God. Why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep doing this? What if you actually let the cat out of the bag and said that you have a problem with stuff that you see on the internet? What if you let the cat out of the bag and say, I can't stop comparing myself to other women? What if you let the cat out of the bag and say that I just feel broken because I don't make enough money? What if that's good? What if that's exactly where God has you? God has the power to raise the dead. Surely he can give you an extra couple thousand dollars. You don't need it. What you need is brokenness. It's what I need. Love keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. I'm over time, and uh, just start playing. You can sing right over me. I'll just tell the story and we'll figure it out. <laughs> Here's what you need to know. The Lord wants room at his table for you. Every shape and every race. He wants rich and poor sitting at a table together. He wants black and white, Spanish, big, skinny, short, educated, every demographic, there is room for you. And I know that you've done wrong, but God said, I don't care what you've done. Your who is not your do. Your do is not your who. He loves you. That's grace. He says, it's covered. It's grace. I know who you are. It's grace. I know what you've done. It's grace. I know that you can't fix it. It's grace. I know that you can't pay for it. It's grace. And it is finished because it's grace. You're perfect because of my grace. <laughs>